and you're live on Dead Radio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another show of Dead Radio. And you're with your main man, Bangy's Dead, obviously. Today, we've got a very special guest. Um, she's going to introduce herself. You know, I don't introduce people on the show, um, mainly because I prefer people telling us who they think they are rather than me telling you who I've read up on and whatnot. You know hey. what I mean? So, yeah. Hi, ma'am. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, thanks. You? I'm good. I can't complain. I mean, I'm really good. So, I need you to kind of relax, right? This is not going to be like an interview. It's literally just a conversation with a couple of cameras and some mics. Um, that's it. So, there's nothing right. There's nothing wrong. You can stumble here there. This okay. is like home. You can relax. Okay. Right. So, cool. please just tell everyone who you are. Like, what's your name? And... Yeah, what do you do? Then we'll get right back into everything else. Cool. So, my name is Nanelle Larumson. I am the co-founder of an artist agency, The Pop Season, uh, which is also an independent record label and we focus on artist management. We work with exceptionally talented artists from Africa. Right. Huh. That's a nice intro. <laughs> that, was a, that was a really nice intro. Okay, um, so before we go into like you, in terms of your career, um, where are you from? And I'll tell you why where you're from matters because it's your background. Your background has obviously contributed to who you are today. Um, so who you grew up with, who you were raised with, where you were raised, what you were doing when you were raised. Basically, you're the product of that. So. Where are you from? I grew up in Cape Town. Right. So I was born in Cape Town, grew up in Cape Town, and moved to Joburg mainly like just before I went to Pitts actually. Right. Um, so that would be, yeah. So you moved really. to Joburg for school? No, I moved with my family. So. Right. How old, did, how old were you when that happened? Um, I was just finishing up high school and getting into. Also, oh, you're mature, mature. Yeah, yeah, I was growing. All right. Okay, so you come to Joburg for Pitts. Or two fits. What are you studying in fits? Um, started out in science. Okay. Um, and then it's pretty smart. Switched to <laughs> um, business studies. Okay. Um, and so I guess in the end I majored in corporate finance and risk management. Oh, really? Yes. Why specifically that? It was a good business foundation. I mean, after that I went on to focus on finance and international business, and then by the time I got to my masters and postgrad. I was more focused on marketing strategy. Okay, 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 cool. So now you're at VITS. Um, where do you go after you graduate? Um, so I guess while I'm on campus, I'm studying finance and business, but I'm very involved in campus activities. Right. I was actually really involved in the launch of like VITS, of Voice of VITS. Right, now. really? Yeah. So do you still have uh, a bit of an input there? No, I don't actually. Really? Um, yeah, have you tried? Probably, no, I haven't. Seriously? I haven't tried. But that is actually where I met a lot of people that are actually even in the industry now. Um, and I sometimes get reminded of that um, because some of them actually stayed in the sort of entertainment industry. Right. Um, but because of that, because I was involved in promo on campus and because I was, you know, just socializing a lot, um, I think I was just getting to know everybody that would become DJs, that would become, you know, the next pursue a career in entertainment as an artist or behind the scenes. Right. So basically, would you say that that you being able to see that gave you a better understanding of what it means to be an artist or in the industry? Like, because, like, you know, obviously you guys have a, a raw eye or, um, to talent. Or you see talent before it's polished. Um, that's and that's obviously a talent in itself because True. you need to kind of see the future of this is how this person can yeah. be if everything is good all around her. So one of the things that I was actually responsible for at Fitz was interviewing the new on-air talent. Oh. So as students would pitch for radio shows, they'd have to give us an idea of what they wanted to do and then they'd have to do a little bit of a demo for us in studio. Um, and we'd be part of like a selection committee that would either, you know, start them with on campus radio or not. Right. That's so weird. I haven't thought about that. 
<laughs> really? Because that's kind of what I do now. Yeah, because that's how you yeah. just do it on a bigger level now. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's not for listeners. Yeah, it's for streams and platforms and stuff. That's completely a voluntary role. That's crazy. So, damn. So that means yeah. what you do now is just actually more. It's a more refined um, occupation, I guess. Does it feel like a job as yet? Is it a job? Do you oh, think no. it's a job? Oh yeah. Oh no, what I what we do is, I mean, it's a professional business service um, that we have to earn revenue for. Right. That we need to support staff and office and you know everything else that needs to keep the lights on. So yeah, I treat it as a professional business, as if I had a career in in banking or whatever right. else I could have pursued. Definitely. Right. Okay. Okay. So from Vits, fine. You're Vits. You graduate. I think we already went past it, but what do you do? Like, what's the next thing? What's your next step after that? Well, for a while, I actually did work in corporate, um, but I was pursuing opportunities in the entertainment industry at the same time. Right. Yeah. Well, corporate, what specifically? Um, I worked in um, the actuarial division of okay. Alexander Forbes. I worked at Investec. Um, so you're good with your money. You're really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, I, but I mean, we were doing things in, you know, every single lunch break, I would be on my phone somewhere in the building. Every single time I knocked out of the office, I'd be going to a meeting for something else. And I would just structure things that way. Okay, so at what point does your other life push your main life out the house? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was actually... During the time I was actually working in banking. Right. And we actually were working on a really big campaign for MTV. Okay. Um, so I'd already met Benza. We had decided to partner on a project, um, which was this one. Right. And it was actually about, you know, part of um, MTV growing and expanding, MTV base. And we actually worked on something called Base Nights. Okay. So okay. Like 2009, I guess, 10. Um, and how I was doing it was, you know, I had my job, my day job, and then I would sort of, and there was a dress, quite a formal dress code. Right. Dress suits actually was the most common. Shop. Like. Okay, okay. Yeah. I would just take a change of shoes or take off my jacket and then be at the MTV offices for marketing. <laughs> and I would just make meetings between one and two. And it was completely manageable at the time. Um, but getting this big uh, contract with, you know, it was actually just MTV and then a collection of other clients that were right. working on it together. So we had quite a few stakeholders to manage, sponsors and brands and things like that. Um, that was actually one of the big campaigns that did launch us into then starting our own company and focusing on that full time. So was it a planned thing or did it just hit you in the moment like, okay, now we need to open a company? Were you guys like, okay, we're opening a company, this I think is what we we're about to do? We were working together, we had, a, we had quite a few projects on the go, and you know, the decision to quit your job is sort of one where you have to decide whether it's going to be viable, whether it can re replace your income, whether or not you're going to take those steps towards now a more serious, longer term career. Right. Um, and that was the, the leap that I had to take at the time. Right. So when you took that leap, did you have any type of financial backing? You know what I mean by financial backing? Like, did you have money saved up? And like, okay, for the next six, six months, I need to make sure this and this and this and this is done before my finances run out. Not that much, Jim. Not that much. I think the decision to to focus on the business was actually completely based on the potential that we saw in the industry right. and the faith that we had in the work and the feedback that we were getting from people around us who wanted us to continue work. Okay. Um, so that was really the pull into doing that. Right. Uh, it wasn't so much about being ready or being at a certain number to be able to quit your job. Um, I mean, when I look back, there probably were different ways of doing it, mm -hmm. but at the time I felt in fact, my company told me at the time that, you know, they offered me to I want to work part-time and they actually said, you know, I worked for, a, for an organization that was started by entrepreneurs as well. Mm -hmm. And the execs actually said to me, you know, um, we understand entrepreneurship, it's very difficult to go on your own. Why don't you do this sort of half, 
part-time for real yeah and you can so you can still take some cash damn that's so dope and at the time i was so bullish that this was what we needed to do and i felt as if to do it properly and to do it well i needed to do it 100 percent. oh so so you said no yeah wow I wanted to, but I was also, I think I felt the momentum to be able to just jump and take the plunge. Right. Um, and so at the time, I had enough confidence to be able to do that. Okay, fine. So you get into it. Um, you guys have this company now. Yeah. Who's the first person or first artist that you guys really start working with? Well, the business when we started was a marketing agency. We wanted right. to be able to focus on entertainment opportunities in general and to market, whether it be brands, events, we're very big on events. Um, and in the process of putting together an event, you know, what's what's the important stuff? It's a venue, mm-hmm. it's the audience that you need to market to to be able to sell tickets and marketing get to have a nice event, right? Mm-hmm. You get a brand or you get a sponsor. And those things are all important, but the most important of all was the talent. Who were you bringing on stage to perform or to DJ, right? Without that, everything else doesn't comes, matter, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. You can't do anything without that most important part. Um, and we realized when we worked with a lot of the brands, the sponsors, the alcohol companies, you know, one drink has an entire team behind them. Yeah. You know? That decides how the bottle is designed, where it is sold, at what price point, the distribution chain, the channel marketing, um, the where do they do activations, where do they do everything was so carefully curated to make that brand a success. Right. But the most important element of what we were doing didn't necessarily have professional marketing teams or business managers. Right. Right. So, right. Uh, especially DJs, you know, DJs who didn't have management agencies or booking agents that were, you know, a whole team behind them. Really? Yeah. Well, this obviously is, back this is then. 2019, yeah. That's crazy. Okay. Um, so we started doing that. In putting together a lot of our things, we realized we were working with a cool group of really cool um, DJs at the time. Um, and we should pull them in house and, and try to work on their brands, the same we were doing for other brands at mm-hmm. the time, event platforms, right? And that's how we started. Um, and then the first recording artist um, that walked through the door would have been Kenan. Um, and we were challenged in finding the right record label partnership. And that's how we actually launched an independent record label. Damn. <laughs> Truth.
I don't even know what to say. So nothing was basically planned out. In a nutshell, it was, but it wasn't. You, you know what it is? Um, I believe, and this is my entire career, one thing leads to another, leads to another. And that's just, for me, how life is. And that's definitely the way that our business was shaped. Mm -hmm. One thing led to another. And it's not accidental because there was an amount of energy that was taken to put into another thing to get us to right. another room to get another opportunity. Right. right. So, very organic, but yeah, not accidental. Of course, of course. I don't believe in accidents as well, or coincidences. Yeah, everything's like kind of meant to be type yeah. thing. Okay, fine. So you guys stumbled on um, Keenan. Um, what would you say? I don't even know if there's a question I could even ask, but what, what would you say was the toughest thing um, getting an artist? And I wouldn't necessarily say to break through, but to get someone to listen to an artist. Because you know there's a, there's a whole machine around that um, in terms of radio stations, um, marketing collateral, um, where they perform, who are they performing for, basically what you said, like for, for Brad. So what are the toughest things at, at, at the beginning stages that a lot of people, you would say, overlook that you guys didn't? So I think the... The best thing you can have is a dedicated team that's focused and passionate about intentionally building the machine around you. Right. I don't think it's easy for anyone in this industry. It's so competitive. Um, there are no rules. Yeah. Um, it's hard to train up to be, you know, an artist manager, mm -hmm. even a record level except to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, there's no. It's it's not like becoming an attorney. There's a rule book, there's a course of study, yeah. there's preparation that happens during apprenticeship. Right. Until you feel as if you have enough knowledge to now apply. Most of the time, you're working in this industry from the other side. Right. You need to figure it out as you go along. But the more you can benefit from the knowledge and experience of people around you, the better, the better off you are. Right. And so all of those things that you mentioned are challenging. Getting a song on radio, getting support from the streaming platforms, uh, marketing, branding, uh, to stand out and be distinctive in a very, very fragmented, competitive landscape. Right. Like, all challenging. What you got to have is really smart people in the room to help you think through those things and then have a commitment to, to execute on it. Okay. Before we go any further, I yes. just have this question that popped up in my yes. head, right? <laughs> why him? And what I mean by why him is, obviously, how did you guys discover him and what was the sound that I was like, okay, no, we need to sign this guy. This guy... He's the next big thing. I think with, um, I mean, AKA is such a multi-talented artist. I yeah. think it was, um, I think it was obvious to the team at the time. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's always, there's so many talented um, artists on the entire continent. Yes. Yeah. Um, what made us jump in there I think we just saw, you know, Ben's always says this a lot. He says that it was many different things together in the same package. Right. Um, it was great. Um, you know, he was a producer. He performed amazing on stage. There was a brand. There was a personality. Um, it was a culmination of so many aspects that I think we still look for today in artists, but it was in one personality, right. one artist. Right. Um, and so I think the potential was so overwhelming that um, it was impossible to not, you know, go that route. Um, I think most of the artists, even today, somehow they find us. That happens. Of course, of course. I'm sure you guys have a lot of submissions. A lot of submissions. And I'm not saying that we overlook demos or submissions. But it is how it goes. You can't listen to um, everybody. <laughs> But there's definitely certain things that when they click together, that's then the artists we want to invest in. Right, yeah. right. Okay, okay. I think I get it. I think I get it. <laughs> I think I get it. Okay, then fine. Second artist after AKA, fine. Um, at what point did you guys now go to the next artist? I feel like the first two artists obviously define what you guys are really doing. Because the first artist, you know, people, he said, she said, could be a fluke, can they do it again? 
And obviously the second artist, who was the second artist that signs after that? What do they want to say? What's their story? Um, and yeah, once you've defined that, then it does have to be something that you're consistent about mm-hmm. within your music, you know, and that does evolve. I think you'll notice that over time as well right. as any fan or anybody in the industry. Right. Um, but yeah, if the brand identity of the artist is very important to us, it's something that we try to spend a lot of time going into um, and then polishing and finding opportunities that are close to that. Right. So that it feels right, not only to us, but to the artists themselves. They have to feel like they were signing into a good deal. Well, it has to be a good deal, you they know what I mean? They feel like they are who they are, right. they can be themselves. And I think, you know, the problem sometimes when there's a disconnect between the music and fans and the artists and the fans, it's when there isn't authenticity. Yes. Um, and so this solves for it, we're just, it is what it is, it's real, it's who you are. Right, right, okay, okay, so fine. You guys are doing the music thing. Um, what does it take for an artist to get a plaque? I don't know if I pronounced it properly, eh? Yeah. <laughs> because I'm asking this because I've, I've heard that some artists or some record companies hold onto the plaques till it's a specific, till it's a good time in the market for, for them to propose and to announce that they've, they've reached the specific streams. Um, why is that the case? If, if, if my album touches um, a million streams today, why is it that I might have to wait a month or a couple more months or a couple more weeks to announce it? Um, is there like a specific reason? Is that something you guys do? Or is it um, nothing you know about? But you know what I mean though, right? I think if you've reached a great milestone right. of you know, gold or platinum or diamond, <laughs> uh, those are big milestones, career milestones, yes. and they're very um, celebrated by the industry. Right. Actually. So I do think that there is a right time to announce it. Mm-hmm. I don't know about waiting months and months, um, but yeah, you should definitely announce it at the best. Because at the end of the day, it's still um, a marketing touch point. No, no matter That's how you exactly look at what it. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it does. It does. Not really a question, but it does. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Okay, cool. Um, there's just a couple more things I want to dig into before um, really leave because I know it started a bit too late. But anyway, <laughs> um, so being a musician, right? Um, you obviously don't know how it means to be a musician because you're not a musician, but you got a good ear. Have you? ever heard something by luck i'm just very curious something by luck and search to find out who that person is so that you could potentially sign them does that happen quite a lot um i think we definitely do get referrals from people around us um and yeah that does that does happen uh we get um a producer that's worked with somebody or a tv show you know, musical director, right. see something. And I think, yes, when you've heard that from two, three people, of course, in network and the name comes up. It's like, yo, who is this guy? It definitely piques your curiosity. Right. Um, and hopefully, we then can end up meeting that person. I think, you know, Ami Baku that we work with yeah. came from a producer of The Voice. And then, you um, know, the producer that we also work with that both recommended that we get in touch and that we connect. Interesting, interesting. So, what would you say is the next big sound in South Africa? I'm sh- I mean, I'm sure you've heard 
uh, a couple of sounds and you're like, this could be the next big thing. I mean, obviously, it, we all say it's I'm a piano, but... It is, right now. Um, five years? Do you think it'll still be a thing? I Honestly think, speaking? I think that looking at the momentum of, of what's happening here, yeah. definitely. The way that it's picking up in the rest of the continent, we're seeing it getting played in you know, Tanzania and Kenya. There's demand for those artists to come out and perform. You can see it on streaming platforms. Right. Those regions are, are switched on. Um, the UK is going crazy for the genre. Right for now. real? Yep. Um, so it's it could be breaking through globally. How long it'll last, I don't know. Right. I think a lot depends on how many more artists there are that are going to follow this path mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and make great music that's going to resonate with the rest of the world. Right. It really all depends. Okay, okay. Right. So, what are your aspirations? What are your inspirations before we get into aspirations? Inspirations what inspires you every day when you wake up in the morning? I am inspired because I feel as if I'm creating an organization of impact. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's taking up a space on the continent where uh, there hasn't been a lot of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the greatest talent is in Africa, African artists. Of course. And I just feel like the rest of the world needs to hear them. Right. And I feel like I walk a little bit closer towards that every single day. Damn. <laughs> That's quite deep. <laughs> so basically, you're trying to be. Um, what do they call it? The, the what's that other big microphone that people use, like to like the police loudspeaker. So you're basically like trying to be the loudspeaker for the voice of the artist who's possibly not gonna get heard, but they're so talented. So you're trying to be like the middleman that makes the world hear this amazing talent. Our job is to amplify the music and the talent of the artists that we work with, and. Even in the office, every single day, we ask the question, what did you do today to create demand for your artist? Right. That's what the deliverable from the team needs to be. Every day? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Now, what would you say is a determining factor when you, do you guys also, okay, before I even ask that, do you guys organize deals, let's say branding deals for your artists as well? What are the determining factors? Obviously, right now with the whole Instagram thing, it's a numbers thing, and I'm asking this based on you guys worked with AKA or Keenan in the beginning, and he had a lot of good deals in the beginning, like your head honchos, your stay fresh events. Um, like he had like a good positioning at that point in time. That was before the Instagram and the numbers came along. Um, so what would be what was what is different between then and now when it comes to getting a brand on board? Is the numbers really the determining factor or is it just overall positioning and work rate, work effort? I think that what brands have always looked for is influence. And when they don't have it in a particular market that they're after, they want influence by association. Mm -hmm. And before social media, um, you know, look at DJs. Right. Uh, the decades back at the influence of DJs on popular culture, mm -hmm. what they were wearing, what um, t-shirt, everything became influential to what people would want to aspire to have. Right. And now it's easier to measure that influence because we have Instagram. digital influence yeah. and we have analytics that come from that. Um, but it's still buying into your influence by association. Right. Right. Well, I, I, look, I would beg to differ. Tell me. Um, I, I would beg to differ because I feel like the Instagram is really slowing down the, um, the evolution of influencer. Um, influencer of the influencer landscape, right? And why I'm saying that is if we're defining someone's influence based on numbers, it's, it's, it's very tricky when it's based on numbers, it's not based on the actual influence because influence and numbers is two different things. Like I could, it's, it's almost like I could listen to your song but not buy it. Yes, there's awareness and then there's actually, and, and sometimes that's all a brand is actually after, right? Right. 
is right. there any brands that just want to have it out there right you know brands that invest in billboards oftentimes it's not about a direct sale there's no call to action you can't click and buy right then it's just awareness so i, I get mean, it i guess I get it depends it. on the marketing strategy i get it brand. Mm. Um, i mean yours is a very interesting brand i mean I think so. Okay. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, when you associate with someone, why do you do it? Um, must I be honest? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, I like associating with specific people that I think are, or we, let me say, we like associating to specific people that are invested in the growth of themselves, mm-hmm. right? So what that that association kind of makes it so, make it seem like we're doing the same because if we wouldn't be, then you wouldn't want to sit with us for argument, like for argument's sake, like right yeah. now. This interview wouldn't be happening if you didn't see what dead stands for or if you didn't know each other on a personal level. And even us knowing each other on a personal level is based on the brand itself because I wouldn't have been in those spaces and et cetera, et cetera. You get what I mean? So that's exactly why I associate or we associate with specific people. It's just that if you're doing something and you're chilling with someone else that's doing something, you guys have to be doing something at the same level or closer to uh, that level. It's like how a rich person doesn't really chill with broke people. Um, it's either people that are working towards something or people that are as rich because it's a mentality thing. When you have somebody where your garments right. or your brand. Um, do you necessarily want everybody that sees them to buy that? No. So then some of them you just want to aspire or you want some people to never ever have it and yes. just have the awareness that you're there and this is what you stand for. 100%. So it's not really a call to action to buy or click or do anything, right? Right. Spot on. Spot on. It's mainly because I want everything to be organic. Um, I want you to buy into it because you actually believe it and you think it's it's dope. I don't want you to buy it because you're wearing it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel there's any emotional connection between that purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like an emotional purchase is is you're buying something bigger than the product and it's emotional. You're buying the, the idea of what it could be and the, the idea of what it is currently. And because of that, you'll forever hold on to it, even at a later stage. But if you're mm-hmm. buying it because you're, you're wearing it and tomorrow you say you don't like it, I'm not buying it anymore because that's why I bought it. Mm-hmm. So I guess you guys do the same thing in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. Well, I think fashion is, um, it's so personal to many people. Yes. It's on your body. It's literally what you show people of yourself, right? Right. Um, so I think it is a purchase decision. Right that takes consideration right. for most people, right? So most people that can afford to consider those decisions that aren't just doing it as a basic need, that are doing it for what you're saying, to stand for something. Right. And I think music is also a very personal decision. When you hear music, you feel something. Right. Happy, sad, uplifted, positive, cry. You can, it's so personal. It is. It is. And so when you're working with music or in the business of music, you're conscious of that too. And you, you kind of never want to mess with that. Of course. Both from the artist going through the creative process of actually putting what they're feeling in their deepest, darkest, most innermost thoughts. Before we even go further. Before I forget something, I'm so sorry yes. to interject you, right? How do you make an artist change his mind from releasing something that you guys don't think is as dope? Because I'm sure that happens a lot where he thinks, I've created this, this song, it's how I feel right now. And you guys are sitting there like, it's a good song, but it's not signable. Because at the end of the day, I mean, you do need a song to be listened to. So how do you change someone's mind in something like in that predicament? You know, releasing, releasing music is always a discussion. Right. I think we usually have many different views that we share. I think we go outside of our own team as well if we want to get good feedback. Right. Like, what do you think about this? Would you, which one goes first? That kind of thing. It's always a bigger discussion. And it's a decision that's never rushed either. Right. Um, and I'm not saying we've always gotten it right. Definitely not. I also even think that sometimes we've 
you know, given the final decision over to the artist to make a final call on it as well. Right. And then roll with that. That's our motto. We want freedom by any means necessary. We want justice by any means necessary. We want equality by any means Let me tell you about the difference between a leader and a president. Looking to the rich, I show the views pretty evident. Looking back, man, nothing really changed. And we're all just living like a modern day slave. Educate your mind on your history. They're taking all our roots, it's a mystery. I know they fear the day that we find our identity with everything that we lay to as many. Why every piece make be the face on the paper? What about Rico and what about Shabazz? What about Gaddafi and all of the rest? The system killed them all because they educate us best. Show the people conscious, deep rooted content. Never wrote our books with the truth that they convent. Who can really tell the black man's story other than the man making it his story? Looking real way, way back in time. The system never wanted no blacks alive. But here we are today, same struggle that we face. We fight by any means like Malcolm X would say. And bring about the freedom of these people by any means necessary. Let me tell you about the difference between a leader and a president. Looking to the rich, I show the views pretty evident. Looking back, man, nothing really changed. And we're all just living like a modern day slave. Let me tell you about the difference between a leader and a president. Looking to the rich, I show the views pretty evident. Looking back, man, nothing really changed. And we're all just living like a modern day slave. I'll be looking like the book of revelation living in the present story written in the ancient stocking on my water like a tidal basin thinking about war when we were first in placement i can see the world repeating history all over again never have it easy when you're skinning even blending in and so we think it's cool to do whatever to fit in when no one can renew all of the shoes that we've been in where do we begin when the system is against us all of the investors getting up the cuts we be working up the cuts we be making up the sales they be making up the tales how they make it up the scale pattern not the thoughts like braille businessmen as presidents don't they feel no penitence for all of the negligence not the people words empty like they promises life is a bitch won't you tell me what this comma is waiting for the day that we can say i'm saying no longer obey the opposition to dreams acquisition to schemes that you know what they feeding we stay gleaming black don't crack we break even Said that the song wasn't. Did, did, which, okay, I can't actually ask you that because that would be a bad question. I was about to ask you which song did you think sucked and was big. I can't ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> I literally can't ask you that. But how can I put it in a better way? Um, I can't even ask you which song surprised you in terms of its numbers. Okay, let me ask you a very industry question right oh, now. Oh, that happens. Okay, which song? Which song? No, that it, it happens. We. Uh, you don't think it do as good? No, it's good. But you don't necessarily know, especially me, because I'm less involved in the A&R process. So, right. Um, I will hear something once it's close to being completed or ready to be released, or you know, we're now having those strategic conversations about marketing and, right. and that kind of thing, right? Um, but there's definitely music that I've heard for the first time and thought it's pretty good. But did I think it would go so far? No. Yeah. Um, you never know. Right. You never know. I mean, sometimes we're we're still surprised. Sometimes, you know, when we we win a summer award and it's like, wow, it really, all the way. Really? Yeah. Like serious? <laughs> <laughs> we always hope, but, but you know, there's so many things that go into those processes. Um, you know, it's out of your hands. Once you've made the music and you've worked really hard to roll it out, market it, promote it. Um, whether or not the embassy then accepts it and That's gives it the recognition, business. yeah, you don't know. It's, yeah. it's out of your control. Now, would you say social media has made it easier to sell music or to sell a brand or to sell an artist? Social media has made it easier to release music. Okay. Um, it's also made it more competitive. Of course. 
yeah because it's accessible to anyone and anyone so what about back then um why was it less competitive it's because only the good songs got onto radio type thing well that that answer has a few layers but one of them is social media and the other thing is just digital music and streaming um so when you um listen to the radio when you go to the cd shop 10 years ago, 20 years ago, to go buy a CD, it was very specific. It was a long process. And you actually treasured that CD, that yeah. album. Yeah. Um, and now you can go into Apple Music and Spotify and listen to 100,000 million artists Once. from anywhere in the world at a much lower price, at a much lower commitment. Right. Um, so you move through music quicker, quicker. right? Um, hopefully, you still have a few that you love and you treasure and you follow those artists from project to project. But for the most part, we're playlisting and listening to whatever's come out. Right. Um, in a particular genre, maybe not even. Yeah, 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 I get you. Music consumption behavior, it's changing. Right. I get it. I get it. All right. Okay. Cool. Aspirations. Me personally. Yeah. You personally. Um. Well, I mean, my aspirations for the business are to grow it into. Um, an African institution with the biggest impact for artists. Right. Can I ask you a personal question? I don't know if the man over there will accept this question. Right. It's a master's question. What? So, in terms masters, of okay, yeah, masters. masters, I need to understand a bit more about masters, right? Um, as an artist, let's say I record a song in my studio, right, in my home studio, and I'm signed to you guys. I record a song in my home studio and I finish it off and everything. And now it's time for the machine to start working. Mm-hmm. Bring you the song. Um, what kind of deal or what kind of channels are open at that point in time? Because obviously I've, I've spent most of the money um, to produce this record. And you guys are only going to invest when it comes to the marketing and basically brand building. Well, um, I mean, I'm not sure if it would happen to one of the artists we're working with now. Right. Because remember, ideally, we want to be involved in the process of creating the music. So we have music that's, you know, commercially viable, that right. we can run with, that's in line with current sounds globally, or whatever the case is, it would be better to have impact on something that would be responsible for marketing at the end, right? Right. Um, and so that's why we would be involved in the recording process or, you know, from beats to writing to as, as much as we can right. add value to um, and that's why we get involved in the funding of those that process as well but if you've already recorded music that you don't need um, an investment in or don't require resources in then the option to license music mm-hmm. is available you know if somebody believes in it and they feel like they want to license the product Licensing the music means that I believe that there's potential to exploit that music for a period of time okay. and still, you know, be profitable. Right, right. Um, do I still own the masters? Yeah. So all you have is a licensing deal. Yeah. Um, and a license is for a period of time, so it's five, it's five years, ten years, whatever it is. Right, right. Okay, okay. And okay. yes, we do work like that sometimes. You, which one would you say is the best one? Obviously from the beginning to the end is better because then it's like a custom fitted suit um it's not like something you bought and you tailored it um custom fitted suits meet a specific brand so that would mean that all your guys artists have different not necessarily deals but arrangements because everything is custom fitted so there's no blanket statement for all of them i think we do try um i think we're also aware of changes in the music industry right so i think things are changing things are evolving and the kind of deals should change with that as well right i'm quite a big advocate for that um but i think realistically an artist that hasn't yet broken into the industry um does require funding and resources and sometimes it's even beyond recording costs right um where you jump in because you really believe it needs to happen right if we feel like an artist needs to move to job again they're not from here but we know that this is where everything needs to happen for radio promo and just pr and just meeting everybody in the industry and the best producers then those will be costs that need to come from the management team or the label team right right so that does that happen often yeah would you say it's possible, let's say there's the KZN market, because you know KZN, most of the artists actually really don't come to Joburg 
because KZN is just so big and it's like its own ecosystem mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they can actually make it mm-hmm. without really even tapping us sure. in. Yeah. So do you guys have, have you worked with any artists from KZN? We don't actually have any artists from KZN so only Joburg, well everyone stays in Joburg currently right now, as it is. Because we're mostly based in Joburg, this is where we do our best face-to-face work and that's always important for some part of it. We've got artists that are based in, in Cape Town, we've got artists that are not South African that spend time in Nigeria, like right. South Africa, Step Daddy is in Cape Town. Um, but we need to at some point always meet here or meet there. Of course. To get done some of the real work. Do you know how many artists uh, artists you guys have signed? Is it too many? No, it's not too many. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. Not like that. But like, <laughs> do you, like, do no, you have we, have, we have less than a dozen artists, so really? we're very focused on. Yeah. Can you tell me who? Well, artists. Yeah. I mean, Baku, yeah. Baby Afro, Step Daddy. Um, we've got um, um, Promonati, um, aka still in the label. Um, yeah, there's. I want to ask you another question that might be a bit too serious. What? Right? <laughs> so, um, when it was announced last year um, that AKA, or not last year, a couple of years back, um, lifted the uh, fifth season, right? Um, he's, his YouTube videos were removed from YouTube, all his music videos. <laughs> Sorry, you know, it's just a question. <laughs> you know. So all the YouTube videos are removed from his YouTube page. Can I ask why? I kind of have an idea, obviously, but I have a theory. I'm, I'm a theorist. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't something that we actioned at the time, so... Um. Okay, okay, so you're saying fifth season, it wasn't something you guys did. This is what I thought, right? Because this is what happens normally in the States. So what normally happens in the States is that um, based on just me watching stuff, um, what happens in the States is when a record label feels like, okay, no, not feels like, but a record label has um, invested in specific bodies of work um, and the artist decides to leave and the record label still owns that body of work, they, the record labels sometimes see that as the investment. Well, that wouldn't really make sense if they were worried about the investment. Right. Because whether or not, you know, the same thing happens, even if I don't work with an artist anymore, mm-hmm. if they release a new body of work, the old catalog actually becomes more popular. 100%. Right? So I always have an interest. So um, what if you didn't invest in you do well? Because okay, okay, the, the okay. previous work that I have with you that's either maybe I own the masters, maybe it's licensed to me, still has an opportunity to, to earn. Right. You'll actually see those the previous work shoot up on on streaming charts again. Right. Um, um, so it's never in our interest to cut that off. That's a major source of earning that investment back. Right. Makes sense? It definitely does. So let's say I Let's say I license my own projects. Okay, let's, let's put it like this. I made my own projects. My projects weren't that big before I signed to you. Mm-hmm. I signed to you one album. My other projects are, are now, the, the streamings are going up. Yeah. Is, issue, is that an issue? No, yes? Why would it be an issue? Because you're now benefiting from my one invested yeah. project. That will happen. Okay, so it's not an issue. No, I, I'm just I, curious because it, sometimes it makes sense to bring in the full catalog. Sometimes it's not, you know. It, it differs, like of course. Yeah. Okay. So last thing, what what are your mantras? Mantras. Yeah, like, I mean, I know my mantras. You are painful. It basically means that I am dope. I just need to remind myself every day. So, what's the one thing that you say to yourself? I don't have this. Do you have to have something? It's at the back of your head. You it's have at the back of my head. Okay, then I, then I don't know how to voice it. I mean, I you said something about the universe. It kind of makes it seem like you believe in um, the oh, universe. Like, to yeah, yeah, that's kind of like a mantra. So, mantra is basically okay. just like something you live by. It's like your values, but it's one thing that's really fluid. It's like water, it, 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 it moves to any surface, but it's still you. You know, that one thing will never change. That I definitely do believe and I think I'll continue to believe. 
that, that no matter what you're doing, one step leads to another step. And so as long as you're comfortable with the decision that you're making now, whatever the next thing happens will be something that's good. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I know. It makes sense. Last, last, last thing. If someone wants you guys to, if someone wants to reach out to you guys to get them signed, what are you looking out for? Um, we're looking for artists that are multidisciplinary for the most part. I think in the way that the music industry is structured right now, it is about the music. That's definitely at the core of it. Um, the type of music that's gonna travel widely. Uh, we're quite conscious of that and we're hoping to find artists usually that are aligned with that as well. Right. We're never just thinking about work that we can do in South Africa or music that plays locally. We want to think about Don't. how we can move it to the rest of the continent um, and beyond that. Um, so that kind of alignment I think is important um, and that dictates how we build the career and the strategy. Um, so it's good to be in agreement and have a meeting on, of minds on that. Right. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great if you're able to do other things, like songwriting is, is quite, um, it's not only a good part of holding a great body of work, but it's also an important source of, of income for the artist. Right. Um, we, branding um, and being able to think of yourself as, you know, a brand, an influential person on music culture in whatever your genre is. Um, the idea really is to create multiple revenue partnerships for the artists. Right. Um, and so the more of these things uh, we can work on together and you believe in and want to put energy into, um, I think the greater and the stronger and the longer partnership we can kind of hold together. Right. So you, when you say multiple revenues like scoring, songwriting like you said, publishing. publishing. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Um, nah, thank you for your time. So trust <laughs> me. <laughs> but yeah, um, everybody, thank you so much for watching this episode of Dead Radio um, with Ninel. Got it right? Sort of, Ninel. Ninel. Yeah. Oh, I said Ninel. Yeah. Ninel. Ninel. I got it. Okay, cool. Thank you so much, <laughs> Ninel. <laughs> thank you. Just <laughs> to your night. Yo, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dead Radio. Um, yeah, see you on the next episode. And we're out. <laughs>